Specialty Stories, session number 198. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. Can you believe we're closing in on 200 episodes here on Specialty Stories? Specialty Stories is a podcast that I started several years ago to help students understand what specialties are out there. I like to dive into the nooks and crannies of the medical field with physicians from all over the country in the hope to help you find the medical specialty that will just light you up every single day. Today, I have a great guest, a geriatrician, who's going to talk about her journey to taking care of elderly patients. And we start the conversation with Dr. Stacy Ruff talking about how she first became interested in geriatrics. So probably in uh, med school, just like a lot of uh, geriatricians, um, there, our med school was lucky enough to have a geriatrics interest group, which is probably not very common. Um, and I was a member of the geriatrics interest group. Uh, we had a few geriatricians teaching us on our faculty. And um, I think that's probably where it stemmed. Uh, strangely enough, as a medical student, I had a strong interest in going into OBGYN. So I can probably refer to it later, but I had a very circuitous route uh, towards becoming a geriatrician, but the interest was always there. Yeah, let's talk about that circuitous, <laughs> circuitous route now. Yeah, um, so again, my scientific interest was in maternal fetal medicine and mm -hmm. uh, obstetrics and gynecology. Um, but as I started my clinical years in medical school, I very soon discovered that I am not a highly surgical person, <laughs> highly procedural. So um, as a result, I decided, okay, I'm going that medicine route. And what are my options where I could still take care of um, women and babies and be able to continue on with my interests? And uh, family medicine was one of those areas. So I ended up in a family medicine residency and Strangely enough, you know, had very few OB patients, had a lot of geriatric patients, um, and really loved it. So um, that's how I ended up in geriatrics. I, um, you know, applied for and thankfully um, uh, accepted a fellowship position and um, ended up in the geriatrics uh, route. Mm. What was it about the, the geriatric population that resonated with you so much? I think it's the, um, the pace that people are generally moving at. Um, I think a lot of internists and family physicians kind of joke that um, geriatric physicians, you know, are, are slower. We take our time. We're very patient. And I would say that that all is very true. It doesn't mean that we can't move quickly and, you know, take care of all ages, but um, 
when it comes down to it, our geriatric patients are typically retired. Um, going out for a doctor's appointment, um, you know, they have a little bit more time for the most part. Um, a lot of our younger patients may be going in between work or before work or after work, or they're taking their kids. So I think it's the pace that really um, is helpful. Yeah. Very interesting. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions around geriatrics that you're you're fighting all the time with residents or medical students? That it's boring, that it's not any different than medicine, um, especially internal medicine. A lot of uh, residents and students argue, well, I see plenty of geriatric patients regardless. And, you know, that's not really the point. Um, the point is, you know, we're looking at how the body ages physiologically and um, how the kidneys clear medications differently, how muscle mass is different as we get older, how different medications could have uh, central nervous system effects that may or may not occur at a younger age. So these are these little nuances that we study in geriatrics that we don't always learn in a family medicine residency or an internal medicine residency program. So it's specialized. And a lot of times people will compare it to pediatrics. Yep. So yes and no. <laughs> um, yes, and that yes, we're specializing. We're, we're all taking care of human beings. Um, but no, in that, you know, we're not quite looking at these developmental steps, stages, all those things. It's different, obviously. Yeah. What are some of the, the key traits or personalities that you, you think make someone be a good geriatrician? So I mentioned before, I think patience is very important. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and some of, I have to say some of my patients dance circles around me. So it is a myth that older people are all slow. It is a myth that older people are all hard of hearing. Um, I've had a few patients, I learned very quickly that um, they say, why are you shouting at me? My hearing is fine. <laughs> and um, here I have to backpedal a little bit. But um, I think in general, though, you know, you have to have a patient personality, I think an empathetic personality, um, really understand and take the time to get to know your patients and understand all parts of their life. Um, so many times they're dealing with a, a, you know, a home issue. They're having trouble with transportation or mobility or pain or something else, or maybe they can't drive anymore. Mm -hmm. And we really have to think of, about their situation on the whole. Um, so I think it also takes kind of a holistic approach and a holistic mind, as well as those other traits I mentioned. Yeah. Very interesting. Talk about a, a typical day. What does a typical day look like for you? So the great thing about geriatrics that uh, people don't always realize is that there's quite a few ways that you can specialize even within geriatrics. Um, even within my own um, academic geriatric group, we have um, hospice medical directors, we have nursing home medical directors, we have um, an ACE unit director. An ACE unit is an inpatient acute care for the elderly 
unit, so a specialized unit within the hospital that is geared towards um, ambulatory uh, older people. Um, we have cl uh, clinic clinicians. Um, so there's a broad spectrum of specialties that you can go into even within geriatrics, which is really nice, I think. Um, personally, I uh, spend most of my time with the clinic and the fellowship program. So we do geriatric assessments in the clinic setting. And technically, we act as consultants in those cases. So primary care doctors will refer their patients to us for any wide range of reasons, but the most common is typically dementia or memory loss. Um, we will see those patients for a couple of visits, maybe make some recommendations and do some diagnostics, and then um, send a report back with the patient as well as uh, to their primary care doctor. I have my own primary care patients as well, um, but they all are on Medicare over the age of 65. Um, and as I mentioned before, I work with the fellowship program. We are an academic institution. So we have multiple residency programs, fellowship programs. Um, but my colleagues, like I had mentioned, work in nursing homes, work in hospice, work in the um, inpatient hospital system. So um, it really is kind of a nice area to specialize in because even if you decide you don't like a certain area, you could always move and do a different area within the same hospital system. That's interesting. Lots, lots of variety and and potential to to kind of always scratch an itch that you may have. Exactly. For the the student who potentially wants to use their hands in their specialty, how much how much potential is there for procedures as a geriatrician? I think there's a great potential. Um, I think it depends on your comfort level. Absolutely. Um, I tend to, um, limit myself to dermatologic or, um, I'm a DO, so osteopathic manipulative, um, therapies, but I do have colleagues that do joint injections, um, and some other basic office procedures that, uh, a typical family physician may perform. So, um, and that can provide really a lot of benefit to our older patients that have shoulder pain or hip pain or knee pain or something where if you can do a joint injection in your office and help them with that, they are so grateful and they are so happy that you can help them right then and there instead of, you know, potentially referring them to another doc. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, dermatologic things, you know, pretty simple things. Of course, I'm not doing anything um, related to skin cancers or Mohs procedures, anything like that. But um, so we keep it fairly simple. Um, as far as inpatient or nursing home procedures, it may have to do more with wound care. And I would say, you know, I know this isn't technically using your hands, but we do cognitive testing. So um, that is one uh, additional service that we provide to our patients that we're all trained in. Nice. Very exciting. Talk about the, what, what call looks like as, as a geriatrician, what does call look like? Are you coming in? Is it just at home taking phone calls? What does that look like for you? 
So I think call would be pretty widely variable across the country. Um, so it probably would depend on the hospital system and the type of practice you would be in. Mm. Um, our group practice, um, we share call on the weekend. So um, we have enough clinicians that I'm typically on call for one weekend every other month. So about every seven or eight weeks, I'll take one weekend call and that's 5 p.m. on Friday to 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Um, we cover uh, nursing home calls, um, but we do not go into the nursing homes on the weekends. And we do go into the hospital and round on our patients. And um, we take calls from that may, may or may not come in from our clinic um, primary patients which are pretty rare, but it still occurs. I would imagine that uh, geriatrics programs or groups that are affiliated with a Veterans Administration Hospital uh, may be different, it may vary. And really, like I mentioned, depending on the size, if there are a lot of clinicians, they may have somebody covering nursing homes for the weekend, somebody covering the hospital, uh, somebody covering the clinic, et cetera, um, if it's a smaller group. Um, I've heard of um, geriatrics academic groups not um, rounding in the hospital on the weekends as well. So the attending physicians will just take their own calls wherever they're based out of, whether that's the nursing home, the inpatient, hospice, however that is. So again, variable. I think it it lends itself to as you're out of training and you're looking for a position as a geriatrician, I think you can really find what you're looking for. Because um, if you don't like the way that they do things at a certain institution, you'll likely be able to find um, something else that may be more in line with what your goals are. Yeah, that's exciting. Again, all, all the variability, which is great. Talk about the um, just the, the framework of geriatricians in a hospital, are we going to see, or maybe we've already seen, I just don't know, hospitalists, kind of like how we have for 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 internal medicine physicians working at a hospital? Are we going to see geriatricians that are kind of stationed at the hospital all day, every day? Absolutely. So um, we have two geriatric hospitalists within our academic group. Awesome. Um, we have about 10 physicians. So uh, three uh, nursing home medical directors, three uh, clinic doctors, um, and two in the hospital, one as hospice. So again, all over. Um, but our two geriatric hospitalists, one of them tends to um, be more of the teaching um, part of the monthly rotations, you know, teaching students and residents as well as our fellows. Mm and they alternate months. So, um, but yes, they're there, they're at the hospital, they're seeing our primary care patients, they're doing geriatric consults. So um, absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. I think um, we're, we're having more geriatric hospitalists. I think it's an advantage, um, definitely within our institution. Um, they, a lot of clinicians utilize our services for consults. So it makes it really, um, I think, gratifying too. And as I had mentioned, you know, I'm not 
a geriatric hospitalist, but I do cover that service when I am on call. And even then, I think, you know, it's such a great program that the way that we have it set up. Um, and I would imagine that nationwide, it's probably pretty similar. That's great. What does the, the training path look like to become a hospitalist? Or not a hospitalist, a geriatrician? Yeah, so typically, uh, you know, and I would say probably 10, 15 years ago, it was a little bit different. So 10, 15 years ago, I think um, any general practitioner, internist, family physician, um, and I'm sure potentially even other specialties could take the certificate of added qualification for geriatrics, hospice, or palliative medicine and call themselves a geriatrician mm. or hospice physician. So it changed. I would say this was approximately 10, 11 years ago. Um, and now it is required that you do a fellowship in order to um, sit for the geriatrics boards or the certificate of added qualification, they call it. Um, most commonly, those will be physicians who have completed medical school, done either a family medicine or internal medicine residency, and decide that they want to subspecialize in geriatrics. So that's pretty much the basic route. Um, and we have had fellows that have done other fellowships. We've had fellows that have gone on to do other fellow fellowships. So um, I think it, it's something that trainees say, see as uh, training in geriatrics, helping them no matter what they end up doing ultimately. Yeah. You mentioned you're an osteopathic physician. Were there any any hurdles that you had to overcome, any negative biases that you had to overcome to get to where you're at now? Luckily, no. You know, practicing in Michigan, there are many, many DOs. Uh, so I've been very, very lucky. Um, and really, there's practicing geriatrician, or I'm sorry, practicing DOs in every state. So I would imagine, yes, depending on the area, it may be a little bit more difficult. Um, for me, the only hurdle that I ran into is that I did an osteopathic family medicine residency with OMM. And, you know, 100% took the DO boards for med school, for residency. Um, and then unbeknownst to me, I, I guess I, it was completely my fault that I should have researched and thought about this, but I ended up accepting an allopathic internal medicine fellowship program in geriatrics. So because it was not only the difference family medicine versus internal medicine, osteopathic versus allopathic, there, I did have issues initially when I went to apply to take my certificate of added qualification. So I contacted the ABFM, the American Board of Family Physicians or Family Medicine. I contacted the Osteopathic Board of Family Medicine as well. And it ended up being the most direct route to sit for the certificate of added qualification as if I had done an osteopathic family medicine based geriatric fellowship. 
So I'm, I remain 100% DO board certified um, in family medicine and in geriatrics. I would not imagine that would be as big of an issue because since I have graduated residency, most of these programs have become combined, duly accredited. And now I understand, you know, it, eventually it sounds like everything's going to be kind of become one. So it shouldn't be an issue as time goes on for medical students, residents thinking about geriatrics. So I wouldn't let that stop you. Yeah. Good. What do you wish non-geriatrician primary care docs who are taking care of elderly patients, what do you wish they knew about what you're doing day in and day out as a geriatrician to, to take care of their patients better to help you more? I think, I mean, it'd be nice if they knew what we could add to their practice. Um, and I think a lot of them do, which is wonderful. Um, I think at the same time, there's a um, question as to, is geriatrics primary care or is it a specialty? The answer is both. So that's where it becomes a little difficult as well. As I mentioned before about my own practice being a, a combination of consultations and taking care of my own primary care geriatric patients. Um, I think one of the big things for um, docs who want to be able to treat their own patients are just understanding that, okay, a 90-year-old is not necessarily going to have the same metabolism of medications as a 40- or 50-year-old. So thinking about those sorts of things the other thing is, is that, you know, it's not that difficult to do a geriatric assessment if you're a non-geriatrician. So it's something that you can do in your own office if you take that time and at least start some of the workup if you're concerned about memory impairment or dementia. Um, there's a concept in geriatrics called the big G and the little G. So <laughs> the big G being kind of like, um, officially going for the geriatric fellowship and being board certified and being a, you know, full geriatrician versus that little G, which is spreading the geriatric knowledge to everyone, no matter what their specialty is. Because when it comes down to it, unless you're a pediatrician, you're really going to be seeing geriatric patients um, in everything that you do. And even then, you may be seeing grandparents or great-grandparents bringing in their children for their well-child visit. So I know they won't be your patients, but that can add to that whole dynamic as well. Yeah, that's great. So when you uh, are kind of doing your day-in and day-out job, what, what specialties, or are there any specific specialties that you're working closely with on a regular basis? Yeah, so... I would say if we see a patient and we do a neurologic exam and we see that it is a neurologic issue, um, we will definitely refer to a neurologist. So for instance, I'll give the example of normal pressure hydrocephalus. So if we see signs and symptoms of that, if we pursue imaging, if we essentially have a diagnosis we will refer to neurology or neurosurgery for something like that. Um, I would say the other big areas are 
um, physical medicine and rehab. Um, we refer to physical therapy quite often. We have a lot of patients who need assistive devices like canes and walkers. Um, and then the last big area would probably be urology. So um, there are many geriatric syndromes, um, one of which is incontinence, typically urinary incontinence. And a lot of times urologists can be very integral in um, helping our patients with those issues. But those are really the big ones that we work with more closely. Mm. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into geriatrics? <laughs> um, <sighs> that's a great question. Um, you know, somebody asked me, just over the weekend, I was at a conference and um, of, for family physicians. And I was, as far as I understand, the only geriatrician there. And somebody asked me, do you like it? Is it worth it? Do you like what you do? And I didn't even have to think about it. I said, yeah, of course. You know, I really do. I love it. Um, so I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I guess... Um, you know, that it's when you have that um, predisposition where you're even considering going into geriatrics, then it's likely that you will find that um, gratification from it, um, that you will really truly enjoy what you do. And I think that's what we all really want out of life is to be able to work and really have it not feel like work for the most part. And that can be hard in this day and age when we're dealing with electronic medical records and documentation and a lot of other things that we have to do. But when we really truly enjoy working with our patients and we feel like we're helping them, I think that's the best thing that I can say that I do. All right. So that, that kind of answers the, the, what do you like the, the most about it too? Because that's just, you're, you're loving your job day in and day out, which is amazing. What do you like the least besides electronic medical records? <laughs> well, I think I could add to the, what, what you like the most. Yeah. Um, I, I love getting tips and tricks from my patients and the average age of the patient that I see in clinic is probably 92, 93, 94. I definitely have patients over 100, 102, 103. So I love to ask them um, what their secret is. So, you know, successful aging. And you'll get all sorts of answers to that question. But I think it's really wonderful to see someone um, who's 99 years old, who's functionally doing so well and cognitively doing so well. So I think that's the really nice thing that I love about uh, geriatrics. Um, the least things, uh, <laughs> I think it probably goes along with, you know, other frustrations in medicine, like I had mentioned, you know, documentation, ele electronic health records, um, having a medication that we want to prescribe for a patient not be covered by insurance. Um, I think that's the frustrating part. Um, we oftentimes run into a lot of, uh, challenging social situations with our patients as well. Uh, family dynamics, living situations, and that can be difficult. So the 
biggest one out of those is probably driving cessation. So we we do have to tell people quite often, you know, bad news. They have Alzheimer's dementia. Um, they shouldn't be driving. And that's probably my least favorite because you really don't want to be telling people those things, but it's our job and it's our job to keep them safe too. So that's the hard part. Yeah. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of geriatrics? I hope so. Um, this whole past year, being able to do telemedicine and amazingly enough, we were quite successful and we still are doing video and telephone visits for our geriatric patients. And that has helped them tremendously. And just like with any patient and, you know, it's never to replace a good physical exam, but to be able to observe someone in their home environment, answer some questions. Maybe you started them on a medication and we're just following up on how they're doing. For something simple like that, to be able to use telemedicine has been so valuable um, for geriatrics. So I think that will probably be where things will move. And not necessarily that we're doing telehealth, but maybe doing some more home health. Um, we do have some geriatricians in our institution that have always been interested in having a physician home service. And that definitely runs into roadblocks because of um, lack of interest on physicians' part, lack of reimbursement. Um, but I think if we can change that, that may help. Um, and that will help our patients the most, too. Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a geriatrician? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I really, truly believe that I, um, you know, I was so lucky that, you know, whenever I got to any path along that decision making um, in medical school and residency, um, beyond that, even with choosing an actual paying job that seems like forever when you're in training. Um, you know, I really felt like I'm so lucky that I made good decisions and I've been really happy um, with the path that I've taken. What final words of wisdom do you have for the student listening to this, potentially thinking about geriatrics in their future? I would say, you know, if you have any interest whatsoever, at least uh, do an elective rotation. Um, if you end up going into primary care, you'll likely uh, do a geriatrics rotation as part of your training. So see how you like it. If you like it, apply for a fellowship. It's, you know, it's really not that difficult. The nice thing about geriatrics right now, too, is that it's not a particularly competitive um, specialty compared to some of the other subspecialties in medicine. Um, so it's, you know, a nice way that you can gain that additional training, stand out from your peers who may be internal medicine docs or family physicians. And it's a year long fellowship. Um, if you're not crazy about it, it's only a year, <laughs> but hopefully we'll change your mind and you'll really end up loving it because I think the majority of people who um, do pursue it um, truly do enjoy it. 
All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Stacy Ruff, who's been out in practice now for seven years as an academic geriatrician, talking about her journey, what she likes, what she doesn't like, and what the field of geriatrics looks like. Hopefully, this is a specialty that you will enjoy because I'm not getting any younger and I'm going to need someone to take care of me pretty soon. So I hope this was helpful for you. If you want more information about geriatrics and becoming a geriatrician, check out americangeriatrics.org. Again, that's americangeriatrics.org. That's the home of the American Geriatrics Society. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.